Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I am with Sandre, CEO and founder of Safety Wing. And he's going to tell us all about digital nomads and their unique lifestyle and also how this pandemic has led to change the whole face of the workplace and lead it to be a lot more remote also giving people the opportunity to actually move and work from wherever they want hello sandra how are you hi good to be here great to have you on the show thank you for joining so to start off, maybe could you introduce yourself briefly to the audience? Yes. So my name is Sandre. I am from Norway, co-founder and CEO of Safety Wing, which is uh, building a global social safety net for nomads and remote teams, like health insurance, right. retirement and other things like that. Okay. And you are currently living in San Francisco. Yes. Is that correct? I moved to San Francisco yes. a few years back because it's the startup hub and we participated in this accelerator called Y Combinator and uh, been living here ever since and I love it. Right. <laughs> nice. So my understanding is that you moved abroad before you even started this, this company and this startup. What initially attracted you to go abroad? Yes. So what attracted me was the sort of logic of digital nomadism. So I, I had before that a job in Oslo and right. I worked as a policy advisor for the government of Norway, actually, that was my job. And, uh, but I had this dream of starting a startup and, uh, but I also had a dream of quitting my job <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I worked on this plan and, uh, it, it was in the sort of digital nomad world that I found a solution to that, which is a combination of working as a freelancer online and right. coupled with moving to a lower cost location so that I need less money. Okay. And so I, I discovered that opportunity and this is maybe eight years ago or something. And then there was a long preparation where I also, I tried to save some money. I'm not a good saver, so that took some time, but I saved some money. And, uh, I, the first location I had in mind was Berlin. So back then, Berlin was even cheaper than today. It was like weirdly cheap mm. for being a European city. Yeah. Because you could get, especially the apartments, extremely cheap. And of course, public transport is cheap. And so you could live really cheaply in Berlin. This is less true now, but it was really true then. You could live there for like a thousand euros a month. Yeah, which is pretty, yeah. pretty decent. Pretty decent. You could rent an apartment for like 500 and, and live for 500. And uh, so that was kind of my plan. So I'd saved up, I think it was 15,000 euros. And then I, uh, I worked, tried to get like freelance customers of writing. I did some mm -hmm. economics writing for this publication of Upwork. And, um, and then my plan was to then that by doing that, I would have enough income so I could work on a startup which would be my primary thing, okay. but that, I didn't expect that to work or make money from it anytime soon. So <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was how I discovered it. That was the first, uh, the first piece. And what, as a digital nomad, did you love or want? Was it this freedom piece, this flexibility? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the freedom of flexibility, 
I mean, I also think it's just, you know, it's, I think it's amazing to, I mean, I love, it's a combination of like the best things ever. Yeah. The sort of freedom and flexibility, the traveling, the fact that there are mm. other digital nomads and it is this like weird combination of the opportunities on the internet with the, with traveling. Yeah. So I also like that part, like meeting other digital nomads. So in your travels, were you able to meet them easily? Mm-hmm. Was there sort of like a hub where in certain cities or countries where all digital nomads would sort of connect or yeah. be located in the same places? How do you f- find these types of communities? Well, I mean, the ones where I got the most friends in one big go was the DNX conference in Berlin in 2015. Right. And uh, that was just made for that. So I got then a bunch of friends. And then after that, I started to know people different places. I actually found the, the Nomad conferences to be quite... And the other places, the co-living places. Right. So uh, when I moved to San Francisco, I lived uh, for the first three years in a co-living. I kind of do it now, but now it's like we have this little block where I live with some other founders, but they, we live in different houses in a, like, okay. in a, in a sense, small <laughs> houses. But, but yeah, I lived in a co-living and that is, you know, uh, before, which was a big house and we were like 15 founders, I think in that house. So co-living, I found to be that that's, that's all of those people are my long-term and my close friends now. So. Hmm. Yeah. It does bring people closer. Uh, so, so that was, I think the conferences and co-living was my big, uh, get to know people, uh, ways, ways to get friends. Right. And the conferences, were there also a way for you to get clients? I wasn't looking for that because back then still didn't trying to do this freelance writing thing. And it was just so obscure, the particular niche I had found you know, which was this okay. like economics or finance writing. So you just don't expect to find customers in that mm. kind of place. So I wasn't trying to, I was just trying to get to know people. <laughs> but I, I know that people who were developers and designers were finding clients there. Yeah. And how does a freelancer and digital nomad sort of organize their day-to-day, making sure that you spend enough time on each client's project or not overspend time on some clients also take the time to be able to, to travel as you have this freedom to to be able to do so and not be stuck in in one place yeah i should say that you know i this this freelance period didn't last that long for me because my <laughs> the startup worked <laughs> so right <laughs> uh, but but thinking back you know the way it was for me was a bit I mean, I had to learn self-management and that is so difficult. Yeah. So I had, like, I, I wrote like articles for this publication. They're like, this, these are great. And I think this is what a lot of freelancers find, which is that once they do a good job, there's like unlimited amount of work possible for this. Mm. You know, so it's, and that was what I discovered, which was that they're like, oh, these articles are great. Can you write these, you know, 20 more? more? And, uh, and then suddenly it became all about me being able to work up the self-management ability to get those things written, yeah. which I didn't have from before. I mean, everyone kind of struggles with that until they have it in the bag. But this was the beginning of me starting to work that out. And I would say it took years before I was really happy with it. Yeah. 
but some what were some big things I learned on the journey? I think, you know, you've got to have a time management system. So there are two things yeah. you can have lists or time blocks. I've tried both. I mean, okay. in the end, I, you know, I, to this day, I use lists. And uh, the other thing that you've got to have, you got to have, you have to work separate place from where you relax. Yeah, that I think everyone is having this challenge currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it could be in the same house. It's just that like when you sit on that chair, then you work. And when you sit on that chair, you relax. Like it doesn't have to be an office. But I, this took me like three years before I picked up. And it was such a huge discovery. I didn't know how much, because it's, um, when you just go on autopilot, you're fighting your habits. And the thing is, when you mix up your work and relax habits, then you activate the relax habits when you're supposed to be working and, you have to, and that becomes like a challenge. But for some reason, a lot of those things is connected, I guess, in your brain with your physical location or environment. So when I discovered that, I, uh, I just started uh, sitting at the table, uh, same table every time when I was working and never do any relaxed things there. And then if I yeah. were to relax, I would go over in the sofa physically. Um, yeah change yeah change location within the same room yeah so that was a big one and then uh but i never got i actually never really succeeded this thing about i, I do think also the the time block does work and I, sometimes i would do that so i would like put in my calendar you know right from from here to there um external things really helps you know i to put in up this like i would work with someone and then would say like, mm. oh, no, I'm going to, to write. And then I would do that. So that actually also works. But it is a hard and, you know, it is hard to get a handle on. I, I had to implement a bunch of blockers. You know, that really helped. Yeah. So, yeah, th that kind of gets you to the end of it. Lists, time blocking, work <laughs> a separate place and institute blockers on your phone. And... Yeah, good tips. Yeah, you, you need those to stay organized. And I think it works for anyone and not only free, freelancers, uh, actually. And so how did all this bring you to create Safety Wings? Yeah, so so I quit my job. I'm a freelancer. I don't have much income, but I have some digital nomad. And then I started the company, which was not Safety Wing, but a previous one, Superside, which is still doing well. Actually. Okay. And... After a while, that started growing and doing well. So that was a freelancer platform, actually, design teams of designers that did projects for companies. Right. And was it with that company, actually, that we first got into Y Combinator and did venture funding. And at that point, I stopped being a freelancer, although we actually didn't pay ourselves for uh, the first year. So there was, uh, I, I spent up all of my savings during that year. But uh, and then it was in that company that we discovered that we wanted to provide benefits or something like that for the freelancers on the platform. Right. And what was sort of the pain point that you had seen across freelancers to say, well, this is actually a gap that's not on the market? So one thing is that when you poll uh, freelancers on such a platform, biggest problems, very often income variability is uh, near the top. Right. So... Freelancers have this problem where, well, one, because of the customer side and their own work, income can swing up and down a lot, which mm, causes problems in their lives. And there's a lot of things you can't do if your income is sufficiently variable. And of course, you're very vulnerable yep. if you something happens, like you get sick or something. 
you just mm. also don't have any income. So those uh, were things we just knew from surveys internally. So we looked into addressing that and basically discovered that that wasn't available. In a way, it would have to be to work for us because we had freelancers all over the world and it was digital and had to be flexible and that didn't exist. So that was sort of the problem discovery moment. And uh, for the next year and a half, I actually tried to get someone else to start SafetyWing. Okay. So I would go to my friends who were potentially wanted to be you know, entrepreneurs and and then I just said, you know, I had a great, this great idea, you know, you can make this global social safety net for remote workers. And, uh, and I almost convinced like two, but no, in the end, nobody wanted to do it. Um, I, oh, I also said, we will be your first customer. So it was a good pitch in a sense, <laughs> but nobody wanted to do it. So after a year and a half decided that we had to do it ourselves. And I, I did know some about it because mentioned earlier, I worked for the Norwegian government as policy advisor on the social safety net. Right. So the original idea was, how about we make something like the Norwegian social safety net, but available digitally, globally as a product that works the same in every country. Hmm. That's what we set out to do, essentially. And uh, to just, but we, we had to launch it in pieces, one product at a time. And we started with uh, Nomad Insurance in 2018. Okay. So you started with a nomad insurance, and this is the, the insurance that allows freelancers across the world to have a minimum social security, also any repatriation, and it doesn't need to be connected to one single country. They can move around with it, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, yeah, it has some of those basic things. I mean, the nomad insurance is a low-cost product. I had myself as a user in mind, so that's like $40 a month, and sort of medical repatriation it's on a subscription so it renews every month and it, yeah and like you said it works in every country okay and then we also launched remote health later which is a, like a complete kind of health insurance but that's a little bit more expensive yeah but i i guess it is indeed something that people would want to take when they're going traveling abroad in countries where they know that maybe healthcare is not the best yeah. and well, you never know what can <laughs> what can happen indeed. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, so that's what it's for. Okay. And recently you've moved on to the B2B side also. Mm. Yes. So, um, yeah, so, you know, our vision is still the same as it was when we started. We want to build the whole social safety net as the way it was away the different pieces and we have several pieces big pieces left um, but one thing we discovered along the way is that many people prefer to buy insurance in groups um, okay for different reasons so when you say in groups that would mean like a group of individuals even though they're not necessarily connected within a company so four or five mm -hmm. freelancers would uh, associate together to, to buy yeah. a pack? Yeah, we do see that as well. We do have those groups. There are these freelance associations that are customers as well. Okay. But yes, also, of course, companies. Right. And of course, there are benefits to buying as a group. You can basically get it cheaper. Hmm. And Yeah, of course. You know, when you buy it as a group, it can get, you can get it down to like $80, $83, today for a, a very a full health insurance where you don't need any primary one. Right. Uh, and that would cover even like very extreme things like, like a long-term cancer treatment. Yeah. So, and, and companies can buy this. So they have a dashboard or groups and you can add, you know, associated contractors or employees in any country on the same dashboard. 
and that right. would also be work globally for that person, so they can move. Okay, so yeah, they even though they're maybe not in the company's country, they can still change country again. Yes, exactly. Right, and it also works in home country, so it's like it's、uh, okay. I guess companies are more and more concerned about this thing, especially with the pandemic. More and more companies are going full remote. I see the company I work in is also has gone full remote actually since the pandemic. And so you, when you sign up, when you sign the contract, you choose the country of your contract.、Mm. Even though it's a French company, you don't have to be based there, and you can. You just have to stay a minimum of six months a year、uh, within that country, and so it is something that they look at. Of well, how do I set up a contract for my employees? In although I don't have an office all over the、mm. world, how do I set up insurance so that everyone in the within the same company actually has access to all the same benefits? So I can imagine we're not the only ones in that、uh, in that area. Have you seen a huge rise, a big change?、Mm. And a trend、uh, going towards this. Yeah, we absolutely have seen. I mean, if the product is just a year old, but the growth has been super high for this product. It's we've、yeah. gone like twenty four x in revenue in twelve month period, and、uh, we also see a lot of companies exactly in that your company situation, which is that they were forced to do go work from home, but then now. A lot of companies are finding that they have to find at least some kind of hybrid permanent solution. Yeah. And when you start thinking about this permanently, then you have to figure out, like people weren't earlier in COVID necessarily thinking about how to switch their benefits to work remotely. Right. But they are now because now they're thinking, oh, okay, this is actually it's here to it's stay. It's here to stay. <laughs> And for by our count, the people that we talk to. It seems that this is true for a lot of companies. About half are going like fully remote or remote first, where they, okay,、uh, you know, it's just team gatherings or something. And then about half are going a hybrid, where they might still have the office, but but it's、uh, possible to work remotely. Yeah, and it's possible to work remotely in the different countries. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, it's very hard to deny that. So that almost happened. But you、yeah. see, a lot of countries companies embrace that actively. You know,、mm. just the last couple of days, you know, have several companies announce it, and of course, a, a month ago or something, Spotify announced there, and they really actively went that they were like, we're not just implementing remote work, but work from anywhere, and、uh, yeah. you can, you know, move away from Stockholm. I guess was where the HQ was, and. And、uh, and that's of course a perk. And then they have to figure out how to do the benefits.、Yeah. And、uh, as of right now, safe doing is kind of the only way. But we aren't that known yet. But I think、uh, hopefully a year from now we will be <laughs> much more known. As... <laughs> yeah, I hope so.、Um, but it's funny how this is sort of changing the whole work scene. How it, previously you you had to be sort of a freelancer to actually have that freedom, and now it seems that you can still have. The benefits of a full-time job, where you don't have that fluctuation of、uh, revenue that you may have、uh, as a freelancer. Although freelancer also means that you can go way higher sometimes, but you have that same flexibility of being able to move around. I don't know if they, how companies work in terms of the asynchronous work times,、uh, having people 
across across the world and across time zones. I'm not sure yet how they actually adapt to that and if they give full flexibility on the types of roles. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a little bit because, of course, I know what we do. You can, in the last company, we had a full async thing going. And that has some downsides, I would say. Uh, so in SafeDoing, we, we aren't full async. We have uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, there are three hours core core office hours in a way, which is right. 8 to 11 a.m. PST, which is, what is it, 4 to 7 in Europe. And then yeah. in Asia, it's late. It's like, depending on where in Asia you are, but in East Asia, it could be as late as like hmm. 10 to 12, which it sucks. But yeah. <laughs> when we looked at many different time zones, and that's the one that is... That worked the best. That is the work the best. There is the, obviously, it's around the world. There's no time that is... There's no time that is 11 to 2 in every time zone. So uh, that's what we went for. And uh, we do have more people in the Europe and America's time zones. It's okay for us to be with people are in Asia, but I just have to know that that's, you know, that's the time slot we, we put the core, the, the meetings in. Right. And then beyond that, people can work where, wherever they want, as long as they show up in those core, the meeting slots. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's basically the solution. Mm. And, uh, uh, and the other more extreme solution is to go full async. I would say, you know, it's quite popular in remote companies, particularly because some of the big early remote companies came from open source where everyone kind of obviously works async. That that whole world grew up before video was even possible. <laughs> but I I found it to be actually a bit overrated. I think you're, a lot of things can take a long time to figure out in text that can take like mm. three minutes to figure out when you're talking. Yeah, when you have a call. Yeah, and of course you can go definitely too far the other way where you have these pointless meetings. But mm. but um, I think that it's quite costly to get to zero meetings. Yeah, it's not the same to never see anyone's face <laughs> or hear their voice. So um, yeah, it is. It's it's tough. I think. Well, it, it's difficult to feel that you're connected to a company if you're not talking to anyone in the company. Yeah. Apart from. Yeah, email. But of course, you get a little bit more, even more freedom of flexibility if you, you know, cut out those remaining hours. But uh, I don't think it's. I prefer the slightly more cohesiveness for a little, yeah, a little uh, video every week. Hmm. So coming back to this fact that um, companies are opening up to recruit people world worldwide, what I've noticed around me is people now saying, well. Now that I can actually keep my job or find another job and have this flexibility, I might actually become an expat. And it's something they had previously considered, but were thinking I'm not ready to lose my job or I, I don't want to go abroad and have to search for that. And now there's sort of that barrier's gone down and they actually have the flexibility to even go test out that country for three, four months, yeah. see if they like it, and then decide, okay, I'm going to make the full move with it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm just uh, in agreement here, but uh, I definitely <laughs> see the same thing, which is that it's not everyone, but a lot of people no. are in the city they're in because that's where their job is. And yes. if they could... Often big cities like in France it's generally Paris and now the Parisians are just leaving because well housing is too expensive so now that I can keep my job I might as well go to, across the country and have three times the size for the same amount exactly yes that's exactly it and we see that happening and this is such a big change because you know think yes. about the automobile like when you have these kind of changes people relocate 
because and it's not that everyone does a lot of people get caught up in this question about not everyone does yeah not everyone does but if mm. a third move which is kind of roughly what i see happening in san francisco that's a big demographic change and where are they moving well i mean almost all my friends have moved actually and uh, i'm right now in tulum mexico tulum is one of those places <laughs> that just is perfectly situated stayed open <laughs> it stayed open that's one thing but it is also perfectly positioned for this thing and mm. you see this massive growth here where they're building and that's because some places like pleasant beach towns seem to be getting a bit of a boom why because some people like to live on the beach uh you see the yeah. pleasant well i can understand why <laughs> yeah. pleasant mountain towns is another category so you see lake tau in california um mm. truck there have been like influx from Bay Area and of course then you Tulum of course the living costs if you move from a big city living costs go down yeah. 70-80% maybe as much as that at least if you can move to San Francisco and you can have a more pleasant life and it's kind of in the same time zone it's still a US time zone so it's yeah. completely possible so I think this is such a great thing and we are just seeing the beginning because a lot of people got remote jobs last year now yeah. it's becoming more permanent and mm. and that means i think we'll see a nomad slash expat boom from the summer out we we already see that in our data like we see a 3x yeah. increase in customers from israel for example um, oh, wow. so we that seems pretty uh, pretty clear that's what's uh, happening and then it's so interesting what will happen next because so many things more things are possible when people are mobile and you see these like new nomad communities growing up like in belize we have this mm. umaya village but there, there are several castle projects what do you mean by castle projects <laughs> the castle <laughs> projects so in europe there are and in france in particular actually but also other places in europe there are castles and which have no buyers and they're like falling apart right and they're disrepair yes because they're not in a tourist location so you can't necessarily build a bed and breakfast there But the thing is, you can build this kind of like remote work village or expat village. <laughs> okay. I had never heard of those. Yeah. So there are some projects there that are going on and that are very popular where people build these like co-living castles. Oh, wow. And I, and I, I think that's just early on what you're seeing, which hmm. is that you can build these more sort of specialized communities for a particular interest. And because people are mobile, that's actually doable. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, it's the first time I really hear about these these communities. Of course, expats connect together in different countries, but I think the whole thing about co-living and having a bit of the same mindset and I guess same type of job and relocating towards one of those communities and co-living spaces is completely different thing and is, is probably going to increase a lot indeed. Yes. No, I, I definitely think so. And uh, no, I'm very excited about that. I mean, I'm excited for my own sake. And a lot of people are very excited about that because, well, yay, finally they can live the lifestyle that they always wanted to. That they dreamed about and take less risk, I guess. I... Exactly. And at the same time, take less risk and save more money. Because in most of these cases, people are keeping their salary. Mm. So they're just, yeah. they used to live in Paris, London, San Francisco. And and now they're moving out and their co the housing costs are dropping. 
a lot, but their salary isn't changing, which so they have much more money too. Wow. So yeah, a whole whole new shape of the workspace and also the geography of uh, working people is uh, is completely changing throughout the world, which is interesting. We'll see how that uh, which cities actually start being the place to live in in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, no longer the capitals, I guess. Yeah, it is not not necessarily. There will be less the big cities for sure, just because they're priced yeah. so highly. Exactly. But some people still love big cities, but just not as much as living them now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you also have the you have the yeah, and we mentioned the beach town, the mountain towns, the specialist towns that are popping up, and uh, and then also people who live rurally. So a lot of small yeah. towns, I don't know if you've seen this, but there are these websites that where people, very small town, post economic incentives for remote workers or expats to move there. So like a few years okay. ago, Tulsa was the first one. But now there are like, I think, thousands of towns that have these like incentives mm. where they're like, move to our city and get 15,000 or move to our city and get, uh, you know, even free apartments yeah. in places. Because they're like this, like dying city. And we're like, we have this. They're trying to attract. They're yeah. trying to attract, and they they see the opportunity, and and now a lot of people have discovered this opportunity, and so it's a great chance at like a new life for all these like dying, yeah, but pretty. Yeah, they can redynamize a little bit the city center and find economic growth again, and have local local life and local <laughs> shops uh, come back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I see that in the company. There is one person, Safe Doing, who moved to, uh, he moved from San Francisco to, I mean, they were going on this, like, uh, road trip, like you said, to check out different places to live with a, mm. with, a, with a van. And then eventually they randomly stumbled across, like, pretty rurally, this uh, lake house in South Carolina that they bought. Oh, nice. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh so now he's living there i mean it's super cute of course but you know that town is a good example because of course who were in that town before you know that was uh that was just the people left right <laughs> it was that kind of i know there's a whole new young generation coming in yeah and now you know someone like young what, what are they just got married actually michael and Chopin. they're like two software engineers from san francisco with great you know high salaries a lot of like you know youth and the energy <laughs> kind of moving into the town voluntarily <laughs> and loving it and uh i can imagine that will breathe a lot of life into the, the local uh town right <laughs> okay let's come back to san francisco very quickly um before we wrap up what what is it that you like about that you really love about san francisco this uh tech city yeah area i mean san francisco is an amazing city by all for almost anyone i i think so one mm. is it's beautiful the buildings are beautiful like it has a yeah. it has a distinct style i really like many people you know i really dislike the sort of like copy paste city where you're like you take a photo and you're like where is this dubai tokyo no mm. it's you know it's 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 this internationalist boxes but San Francisco has a distinctive character and it's cute and beautiful. So, so that's number one, I would say. I just like the beauty of the city. It's also topographically beautiful. Like if you go to the beach, Chrissy Beach, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's this, the Golden Gate is up there kind of towering up above and there are these green mountains on the other side and 
like it's really spectacular sight and um, there's a lot of nature in and around the city and then the other thing is uh, you have an hour and a half one way you have beaches santa cruz and then yeah three two two to three hours the other way you have lake tao which is mountain like an excellent mm. ski kind of area ski station yeah so you kind of have the like peak beach and peak mountain okay yeah best of both worlds in one place yeah and then it's the people there and the people there are optimistic ambitious they want to make the world a better place i mean that's like the joke line but it is true and <laughs> i do actually prefer people who want to make the world a better place you know compared to you know people are only concerned about their own whatever kitchens interests uh, yeah <laughs> i'm i'm exaggerating <laughs> a little but you know there is a difference in the conversations i would have in oslo where a lot more people okay. think conversations just end up being about bloody kitchens or being really <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but um in san francisco people are talking about products and big things and it's exhilarating yeah. and it, it pushes you to stretch further to to lift the sort of standards of what's possible in your own life and it is so you do get influenced and that's that's i would say the number one reason is that you become a little bit like the area you're in and the culture yeah. and network what in the bay area what does it push you to be i would say more optimistic and more ambitious and maybe also i would say even more altruistic okay interesting all right I know we're coming close to the end so I'm going to move to the recommendations. What would be your top bar, restaurant and one carte blanche spot of your choice in San Francisco? Yes. So uh so I live in uh, up by Koi Tower in North Beach. And a lot of people who have even been in San Francisco a long time and that was true for me too just never go to North Beach. It's the Italian <laughs> district and it's amazing. It has okay. its own vibe. It's not like any other parts of the city. It's extremely lively and uh it has this distinctive character and everyone who are there like you have this like full of quaint shops and bars and restaurants that are like made by locals who feel like they've run them for generations. I have no idea how this area just survived intact, but it has. <laughs> yeah, so I would definitely recommend two things in that area. So there is the street called Grand Street and there is one restaurant there called Portofino, which is a family-run uh, restaurant that serves uh, seafood, and everyone in the family works in the restaurant, and they're super <laughs> nice, and uh, they have both inside and outside dining, and uh, definitely worth trying the what is that called the white fish soup? Always uh, So, and then bar, I would say just a uh, hundred meters down, you know, maybe after. You there's several great bars in that street, but there's one called Church Key. Especially if you're interested in strange craft beers, they kind of buy in okay. a new list of small craft beers. So they have a new list every week, right? So which means that if you really want to try craft beers you've never tried before, it's a great, great uh, unassuming spot to do that. <laughs> so that's that. And as for uh, uh, carte blanche. So I already mentioned Crystal Beach so why is I can't do that again. I mean I love going for walks. I, now during Covid I've been going for walks in nature or on... That's all anyone can do actually during Covid <laughs> just go for walks. Yeah. I mean it's it's great. I hope that continues after. I mean it's wonderful to see everyone <laughs> out and about. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, another one that I go, go for a lot during COVID is Land's End in San Francisco. Okay. That was another one that I discovered like after several years here. It's just absolutely spectacular. It's on the side of the, it's in the city, but it's sort of on the side okay. of the mountain. It's, uh, it used to be rail tracks there. And uh, now it's like a walking path and it's like on the sea side. So, okay, so it's like a trail that you can follow hike. Yeah, it's a trail, it's, but it's like strolling. Like it's not a heavy hike. It's, okay. uh, it's a very yeah. easy stroll and, um, and it goes along and then you can kind of go out to these like viewpoints and peaks and you walk. So imagine the view here is that you, it's like 270 degree kind of Pacific Ocean as you walk along, it's like mm. full ocean view. And then at the end is the Golden Gate. Okay. So it's uh, the view is spectacular. It's super green and and beautiful. So lands and... Well noted. It will be all linked in the comments. Mm. Great. And last but not least, what is your expat song? My expat song? Uh, you know, I haven't listened to this song for a long time, but it popped up in my head as you asked this. Because I do remember, right. I thought I was listening to it before I moved, so like five to 10 years ago. And I heard, first heard this song as like in this television show, Lost, where every time the alarm would go off, this song would start, which is Make Your Own <laughs> Kind of Music by Music Cats, Cats Elliot. Okay. So that's, I think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good uh, summary. You know, I, I mean, it's in the title. I think that the lyrics is something like nobody can tell you there's only one word, song worth singing. And uh, instead, <laughs> the song urges you to make your own kind of music, which I guess I am trying to do. And uh, that is... Yeah, the, make your own path. Yeah, that's the story of my life. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for so much for joining and talking to us about Safety Wing, your whole sort of expat journey and how this company started with uh, you being a digital nomad and sort of integrating these communities of freelancers and digital nomad and giving us this view of how the whole world is actually changing and people are working differently and in different places. If you guys are interested, they are, there is a link in the comments to uh, check out the company, but also subscribe at a 5% uh, discount. So check it out. And if you enjoyed the episode, Go put a rating on Apple Podcasts and stay tuned for the next one. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Brilliant.